Today on Rolling with New York Mike. Diversity is not a matter of picking one person from column A and one person from column B. One person because they're black and one person because they're female or gay or Hispanic or whatever. No, it's picking the best person for the job all the time. Welcome to Rolling with the most patriotic man I know, my husband. And now his podcast, Rolling with New York Mike. Get on the ride. Okay, it's time for Rolling with New York Mike. Hey, it's been a week. I know, I know. I kept on saying it's it's my schedule has been insane. I promise you it's going to get better. We're going to be back on track. Everything's going to be fine. I, I guarantee it. It's just, you just got to give me a little bit of room, man. But it, it, it's all good. So, but you know, there is a lot going on. And I, I wasn't, I'm not going to start off talking about what happened virtually over the weekend with the Chinese balloon. We're going to get to the Chinese balloon. But there's so much other stuff to talk about. There's so much going on right now. I, I, I can't even believe where we are. In the first place, going backwards, I did want to say something about Kevin McCarthy. How's he? What do you think he, he's doing? I didn't expect that much out of him, although I said, hey, he earned it. He did it. I expected him to be the, eh, the Kevin McCarthy that we had come to know. Kind of wishy-washy, talking conservative, acting, whichever way the wind was blowing him at that moment. Again, what what infuriated me was when he allowed, I don't remember, it was 13 or 19, whatever it was, Republicans to vote for the infrastructure bill. Where there was no infrastructure, less than 9% was infrastructure. Maybe it was less than 10%. Okay, I exaggerate. It was less than 10%. It was about 9%. 9% of the one point something trillion dollar bill was actually infrastructure but they called it the infrastructure bill and he allowed republicans to vote for it because they said hey boss if we don't vote for this we're back in this in, the, in our neighborhood it's kind of close we need they need some help in the election i heard all that stuff talk to people i can still got friends in washington i still got friends who are active in the political arena and they go mike you know what do you i i said i know what i expect from a leader how many times, if you own a business, if you're a boss, the hardest thing to do on one of them is to kind of set the rules. Sometimes you got to fire somebody. And it's not always somebody you really want to fire. As a matter of fact, the ones you really want to fire, <laughs> you usually don't get to fire them. So it's it's kind of like, but that's what the, that's what the, the top guy does. That's what you want from a leader. That's what you want from the Speaker of the House. I didn't expect it from Kevin McCarthy. Again, you got to respect the fact he was the leader for the last, what, four years at least, I think. And as leader, he's the one who raised all the money, got the people who run to run for office. I know there's a lot of criticism that Donald Trump picked some people to run for office and they didn't quite make it. And there were some issues there. You know, I went through all this stuff. I think there's, there's, there's a little bit of truth to some of it. I don't understand what happened with Oz in Pennsylvania to to lose that race to the clown that won it? I mean, how do you how do you ascribe any any blame to Donald Trump? Because he didn't choose the right guy. Maybe the right guy wasn't the right guy after all. If he didn't run as hard as he could for Dr. Oz, 
He was just, if, if he was so upset that he, that Trump endorsed Oz and Oz won, and he didn't work as hard as he could have for Oz, as hard if he, as he would have for himself, for the Republican Party, for the betterment of the United States of America, if he didn't do that, maybe he wasn't the right guy anyway. So those kind of things play out over and over and over again. Joe Kent in Washington State. How in the world? That guy was so cool, man. He was such a good congressman. Where were the Republicans in Washington State? Don't blame that on Donald Trump. Everything that happens wrong, you follow the lead of the of the Democrats. You're following them right where they want you to go. Oh, it's all Donald Trump's fault. You don't want to have why? Because they're scared to death that Donald Trump not that he'll run again, that's only part of it. But that he'll win. That he'll be president again. That he'll lead us down the path of righteousness. The path, the path of capital. Hakeem Jeffries and his minions in there. That's the leader of the Democrats, by the way. Follow. He's a communist. That's what these people are. That's what they want to lead us to. They want to lead us down the path to communism. Communism is is equity. That's the word that describes communism perfectly. Oh, there's going to be equity. Everybody's going to have an equal share of everything. And equal results. Everything's equal. All oh, that's, that's what communism is. No, it's not. That's what they say it is. Communism, you know, we, we, I, I, we're going to talk about that. We haven't, we haven't talked about it enough, but we will. But here's, here's the, the, the things that we, that's going on today. And, and we see it. We see it so much. DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah, WTF. <laughs> what is that? Diversity, we see it everywhere. We see it in schools. We see it in people demanding their business. Now, the, the bills I'm hearing about from the Democrat Party is like, if your neighborhood isn't diversified enough, if there's not enough equity and inclusion in your neighborhoods, then there's some sort of a tax play that they're working on. Look, this is childish bullshit. That may work in some ways in a, in a classroom of little kids, okay? When the teacher's getting the little kids to play nicely in grade school, but as kids become, yeah, 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 little kids, they want to, listen, I want you to include Johnny in in your game. Oh, teacher, we don't like Johnny. Johnny smells. Well, I don't like the way he combs his hair. I don't like what, or whatever. Hey, you're going to include Johnny. That's the way it is when you're like in kindergarten, first grade, maybe even the second grade. Johnny can't throw the ball really good. Or Johnny can't run really fast. Or Johnny, whatever. I don't want to hear it. You're going to put Johnny right there on first base or wherever you, whatever the deal is. He's going to be the spiker or the net on the, the dodgeball game or the, the volleyball. That's it. That's what you're going to do. That's the, now hopefully they can do it in a little nicer way. No, children. Johnny's going to go. Let's give Johnny a chance. Let's put him right there. That's what they do. That's how they treat children, okay? But his kids become adolescents. They have to learn how to defend themselves and work in their own best interest. And when they become adults, they're totally responsible for their own best interest and the best interests of their loved ones and others that they're responsible for. Where are these skills learned and developed if not in school? At the earliest grades, too. Okay, they've got it. That's... That's how boys become men. That's how girls become women. That's how children become adults, okay? They have, they have to develop these skills. And if not in school and at, early, at the earliest age, 
And if they're not learned and developed, they'll always be or will become dependent on, quote unquote, the teacher, the system, which of course becomes the government. As as our children become or have become, okay, indoctrinated to depend on the government for their well-being, for their basic needs of food, clothing, and shelter, okay, developed from the early dependence and the acceptance of that dependence as normal on the system for their equity, diversity, and inclusion within the small framework of their social environment when, when, when they were children. That's what the teacher said. Okay, wait a minute. Let me have a girl on this dodgeball team. And is there a black kid around here? How about a brown kid? How about a little Jewish kid? No, 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 no. That's, that's not how it works. You let, you let the kids choose the leaders, and then the leaders choose the teams. That's how it goes. And then if, if you feel left out for whatever reason, you got to learn. you got to learn how to fight to get yourself chosen, to get yourself involved, to get yourself included. Okay? Included. And equity, score a goal. To learn how to be a defensive person. Do something that's valued to the team or to the game, whatever game they're playing. You know, everything isn't a sport. In today's world, these kids are playing video games and all kinds of different things. Look, I I went to school a long, long time ago. There was always some place where you can make yourself valuable. It's some skill set that you had. You had to find it. You had to dig out. You had to learn. Who are you? You discover yourself. You discover your own weaknesses, your strengths. This is the age. This is how you do it. But when the teacher in the school, when the system, you know, lays everything out there for you, you know, on the, where, where, do you, where do you develop? Where do you develop the skills, the strength, the rugged individualism of the pioneers, the early and the early immigrants? What do you think the pioneers were? They didn't grow here in the desert from the trees. Pioneers. We talk about cowboys and Indians, and we see there's a difference. Okay, the cowboys worked the ranches, they rustled the cattle, whatever. Okay? But the pioneers. Pioneers. Who are the pioneers? They came here from all over the planet. They came here from countries all over the world to, to, to take advantage of the opportunities that were available here in America. As, as we pushed west, because America was settled on the east coast, the, you know, the, the pilgrims came in 1620 and landed in Plymouth Rock and everything got settled over here and some people started moving out. And then the opportunities were all out west. Go west, young man. That was the early 1800s. As that's how it was. It, it, what did it take to do that? You think some... 17, 18 year old kid, because that's how old they were. They weren't, they weren't in their 20s. They was, that 20 something was settled already. Yeah, there were some. Some had picked up their wives and kids. But you know, there were a lot of 17 year olds and, and, and whatever the age was. And they were tough kids. If they weren't, they'd get out for a week or a month. <laughs> they turn around. <laughs> I'm going back to the folks. I'm going to live in the basement. Yeah, I'm going to take that job. <laughs> I'm going to take that job shoveling coal down in the mines. I'm gonna, it just ain't working out. Okay. But the tough one, the ones who were tough enough to stand, the, the I mean, all the, whew, all the obstacles, man, it was tough. But they were scary. It was, it was into the darkness. There was no light there. They didn't even know what they were going into, what they were getting into. 
Yeah, I know some people say, oh, it's golden in their hills. Let's go. But it took a rugged son of a bitch. You talk a rugged individualism. That was the pioneers, the early immigrants, the people that came here from wherever to settle in America. Those are tough people. They were, you know, when you talk about when you talk about settling the wild, wild west, they you're talking about people that they knew what they were up to. For the most part, they knew there wasn't any myths. Nobody was kidding them. They they knew the unknown was out there and that some of the things that can happen and what the winters would be like and what the summers would be like. They fought against slavery and the dominance of government as well as the powerful corporate machines, okay? They were fighting for a merit-based economy based on capitalism, which allows each individual to become all that he or she can be if they're willing to take the risk, work hard, and do whatever it takes. And with the help of government, government land grants, government saying, okay, if you if you take a 20 acres and, and you farm it and you do this, you do, there, there were incentives. But nothing's perfect, especially when you're trying to limit government and the corruption and the influence of government as it creeps from entrepreneurial capitalism to socialism. What kind of socialism could there possibly have been? What could the government have done other than award people the land if they if they would work it and develop it? Because there had to be some incentive to develop this this beautiful country. When we got here in the 1600s, I don't know how many years the land lay here, but there was no farms, ranches. There was no development here. You can say what you want about the American Indian living off the land and killing the buffalo and using the buffalo for everything from food to clothing and, you know, to keep warm in the winter and blah, 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 and all that. That was great. But they never developed, you know, they didn't develop buffalo farms. They didn't develop buffalo ranches. They didn't bring the cattle out. Yeah, the Spanish brought horses, and they certainly, some of the Indians, especially the Comanches, great, great horsemen. But, you know, they didn't develop. So here we are, wanting to develop this crazy wild, wild west where nobody had developed before. Where things, you didn't know, are things going to grow? Can you, can you develop a ranch? And how much can the government help? But then, of course, and we've all seen the movies and we understand what we've grown up seeing on television. All the movies about the ranches and then they put up the barbed wire fences and then the railroad comes through and buys up all the land and takes up all the territory and the ranches have no place to go and they can't get their cattle driven through the thing and then the water rights. I mean, these things are still going on today. This is America. This is how this place grew because of tough individuals. Individuals that were willing to take all the risk of coming out, take on all the work, and then all the corruption, and take on the, the government in what the government's... How do you describe what, you, what you've read in books over the last 50 years? Come on. This is who we are. These people. I don't care when you got here in this country. If you're an American, that's who our ancestors are. Those tough son of a bitches that came out here and did what it took to settle this country and who adapted the economic basis, the economic form of capitalism, okay? And as it creeps to socialism, oh, why? Why? Because the government has grown. The government has grown to this point where all of a sudden, instead of saying, okay, here's some land, if you can 
you know, if you could farm it, if you can make it into something productive, great. If you can't, you, you're going to lose it. But this is what the government did. And over these years, they've taxed these people to the bone. And, and so the government's grown so much. Oh, now they're, now they're, 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 they're chumming the waters. And they say, okay, here's this welfare, and here's that welfare, and here's this deal, and here's that. And people become totally dependent on the government. And as they become dependent on the government, the government grows. And if the government grows, capitalism becomes socialism. They say, oh, we got to, it's, some, it's not just the safety net anymore. Now from the safety net, this is a way of life. People have grown up from cradle to grave living off the government tent. That was impossible during the founding years of this country. I don't know if it was possible in the 1920s and 30s. I don't know if it was possible before World War II. I don't know when. This came into a, when I was a kid, we didn't have that. We weren't, yeah, we had government housing. That was the barracks that my dad lived in when he was in war. And they turned it into government housing after the war. We lived in government housing. And then they built these big six-story projects in Sheepshead Bay. We, we, we got moved to there. We got pushed around. It wasn't free. 75 bucks a month. We couldn't make that every month. That was tough. That was hard to make. That was a lot of money. That wasn't cheap rent. So, but that was as much as I remember ever getting. I don't remember my dad getting unemployment when he was out of work. He got another job. For driving a cab, working me on a lunch and night, whatever it took. You know, I told this over and over and again. How many jobs? There were so many. Yeah, maybe only two or three at a time. But, you know, a place went out of business or whatever happened or another opportunity came. I mean, that's what happened. So there wasn't handouts from the government, not that I remember. We didn't get anything. I don't know when all this came into play. Everybody says the 50 was so, 50s were so wonderful. They were wonderful because the attitude was wonderful. The Americans believed in themselves. They just won the war. They saved the world. I was there. I was a witness as this little, little kid. Watching my dad fight the odds, take on the world, because they already did and they won. So that's what builds the strength that it takes to be this American. That's what we want. We don't want this diversity and diversity, equity and equity. What's this equity? You're going to give somebody something because they don't have anything? Oh. That's nice. I mean, how do you do that and, and not understand? It's not just the corruption that you're inviting. It's corrupting the development of the self, of the person's own strength of character. It's horrible. That's, that's not the way to... Let that kid grow up. Let those people fight it out. The fight against... Monopolies and other big business dominance of our lives is difficult. It's not impossible, though, because big business has armies of lawyers, but big government, they have real armies. And it's, it's government's job to keep the playing field even and not let one side get so powerful it dominates and overwhelms the competition but it helps force the legal competition 
which is one of the driving forces behind the creativity, the invention, and the pursuit of excellence. That pursuit is fueled by necessity, the mother of invention, and honest competition to be the best to the benefit of the individual consumer. When the government plays God by picking winners and losers, we all lose. There's always a fine line between government being responsive to the needs of the people and government controlling. Government control by defining those needs, which is why the founding documents, mainly the constitution of this country, are so brilliant. So whatever Whatever leads to the development of us as individuals, as our children as individuals, to fight, to become included, to fight for our own peace of equity, it's a, we all have a chance at it. We all have a shot at it. I hear this, this so-called president we have talk about, yo, we want a fair shot. Everybody needs a fair shot. What are you talking about? It doesn't come from the government. It comes from the government getting out of the way. It, 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 it comes from the individual and the families. Now, the fact that we have so many kids coming up with single parents, never mind single moms and single dads. Let's just, let's just talk about single parents. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say, you know, single dads are better or worse than single moms. It seems like there's a lot more single moms because it's mostly, it seems... And I'm sure there's statistics out there that it's the dads that that seem to stray, put it that way. But, okay, I, I don't know how that whole thing works. It's <laughs> out of my wheelhouse. But it's the family that needs to support that kid and those kids and to give them the strength it's going to take for them. They need that support system. The family, the mom and the dad, to get them to develop the backbone it takes to make sure that they are included and that they get their piece of the pie, their equity. That's what we learn in school. I remember when we were moving out of New York, one of the very last moments, my kid was, I don't know how old he was, he was, he was 12, and he was playing with his kids and they were playing basketball. Now, I'm not. A basketball player. I know nothing about basketball. I don't even like the game. <laughs> but you know, I went down there with my kid. And my, my friend, Peter Rockley, had played basketball, if I, I remember right, for Princeton or Yale or one of those schools. And he knew a lot. And he was coaching the kids. And I was down there helping them whatever I could do. And then he said, okay, we're going to with shirts and skins. One group of four or five kids was going to be the shirts and the other group were the same amount, four or five, was going to be, depending on how many were there. I don't remember. It's a long time ago. But we said, okay, you guys, you, you picked the two captains. And this one dad pipes up and he goes, no, 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 no. Let's, I'm gonna, we'll pick the, let us do that. Come over, however it was. And I, and I said, whoa, 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 why are we picking the captains? I don't, you know, we don't know who's, well, how would you like to be the weakest kid on the, on the team, and what if your kid doesn't get picked? I said, how many times do you think I was a kid that didn't get picked? And and I worked hard to become one of the two captains. That's the way it always was. I don't know any place else, but in New York, that's the way it was in Brooklyn. 
I'm sure it was the Bronx and Queens and Staten Island, the same thing. I'm, I'm, I'm virtually positive that that's the way it was. You know, you pick the two guys and usually the two best athletes or the strongest guys or the tough, whatever it was. And, you know, and they picked the other guys on their team. I picked that guy. Okay, I picked that guy. So, you know, the first pick, it's like when you watch, when you watch the NFL drafts, who gets the first round? Who's in the second round? The guy in the 10th round, you know, is usually a little bit like, oh, shit. <laughs> but you never know. That guy could be the best player in the NFL next year. So it's the same thing. It's up to you individually. I remember staying home over the summer when I was, I don't remember how old, 11, 12. I was, I was working out every day in my house. Push-ups, 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 sit-ups in my living room. And there was nothing there. We didn't have any weights. We didn't have any equipment. I remember because I needed to get stronger. I knew I needed to get stronger. How many times do you practice just throwing the ball against the wall? How many times do you do whatever it takes to get stronger? Trust me, I didn't have helicopter parents. <laughs> my, my dad worked three jobs. He didn't have time to sit there with me and help. We didn't even, I don't remember too many times we ever had a catch. And then what would we have a catch with? I can never afford a baseball glove. Couldn't do it. There was no way. It wasn't going to happen. So it was up to me. Whatever it took, if I, if I wanted to become one of those captains to choose the team, and eventually I did, not all the time, but every once in a while, it was enough. So anyway, that's that's why this thing about government, whether it's diversity, inclusion, and and and, and equity or diversity, the government doesn't do that. That's what communist governments do, and that's the difference. Okay, so here we have these. Lawyers. I, I mean, I don't like lawyers at one bit. I don't. I th they have an industry that they call a profession. There's no professionalism about them. Maybe there was once upon a time. I don't know, but not in my lifetime. Not from what I've seen of them. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, they're ambulance chases at best, and I got a lot of worse. I got a lot of worse things to say about them. But you know what? That's a big business. That's a hard game to play. They beat you up. They beat you because they have a lot of money. I mean, believe me, I, I know what it's like. I had to go up against Costco. That's right. At San Diego Harley, it was not easy, and I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to put myself out there and take on that kind of a giant. It didn't happen. But that's how they get what they what they want. So there was there was no way. But you know... Big government, big government has armies. And government is is not supposed to play favorites with getting business, but they do. Sometimes you got a little business. San Diego Harley Davidson was on India Street back in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. And then 76, the government came in at San Diego and said, we're gonna close the street, we're gonna tear these down. and. We're going to have developers build buildings, condominiums. And so the, the motorcycle shop had been there for, what, 20 or 30 years? That's it. It closed. It was done. They had to move. That happens a lot. It's, and, and we're talking about a long time ago. It's not just today. 
bad isn't something new just because we're complaining about it today and we're talking about how bad it is to, to try to have a business in California with this California government. But there was always bad things going on because when you let the government get too big, and I don't know if that was fair or wasn't fair. I wasn't here then. I just, I just see that these things can happen. People always ask me when I own San Diego Harley, how's business, how's things, what's going on? I always say, look, I'm not concerned about the marketplace. The marketplace is great. You got to fight up and down. Sometimes you get a selling season. Sometimes it's, it's tough. Things aren't selling so good. I'm not worried about it. The vagaries of the marketplace are part of what we bargain for. It's the government, the government control, the rules, the regulations. Yeah, the taxes, the taxes are bad. I don't want to make light of them. But sometimes the taxes are, are, you know, they only look like the problem. It's those laws and regulations, the permits that you have to have. And ongoing, it doesn't end. And it just seems to be that when the government wants to feel strong and big, what they do is they make more rules. And, and, and now, diversity, equity, and inclusion, where did this come from? How do we accept this? It's not a white-black thing. Don't let, them, don't let them tell you it's a white-black thing. Oh, there's not enough diversity because black people... If, if, if whoever's the best person for the job is going to get the job. Diversity is not a matter of picking one person from column A and one person from column B. One person because they're black and one person because they're female or gay or Hispanic or whatever. No, it's picking the best person for the job all the time, notwithstanding what their color is or their sexual. It's it's in spite of their these these characteristics or whatever. It's in spite of those things that they choose. That's what diversity is. Choosing excellence all the time. The playing field. Okay? You never like one side gets so powerful it dominates or overwhelms a competition, but it helps helps the competition. And that means if you wanna compete, you've got to hire the best. Doesn't matter their color, the best. And like I said before, the driving force behind creativity and invention and the pursuit of excellence, that pursuit is fired, fueled by necessity, the mother of invention, an honest competition to be the best. Okay? To the, that, that's business being the best is to the benefit of each and every individual consumer, every citizen. And again, you do not want the government to play God. There's, there's, there's always a fine line between the government being responsive to the needs of the people and government controlling by defining what those needs are. We do not need the government to say, what you're going to have the equity. Because you've given equity to one person is taken away from another person. Is, is that what this is all about? Is that what America's about? Is that what made America great? No. No. Keeping government accountable and limited is the job of Congress, specifically the House of Representatives and the Oversight and Judiciary Committees who are tasked 
with the job of making sure government operates within the boundaries of the Constitution. Those, those boundaries are what keeps us free from a government that would preside over us as a socialist government would or with the domination of a communist government dictating outcomes, okay? Their definition of what's equal, what's equitable, and who or what's included, okay? Outcomes are never equal and should never be determined. Only opportunities should be equal. Everybody is an equal opportunity. That's great. And of course, nothing's really equal. All right. And I've said this a million times in my life. What's fair? Some kids, some people are born smarter than other people. Some are stronger. Some are taller. Some are shorter. So there's nothing equal here, except we all have the same opportunity. Some have a better equipped for certain things and some are willing to work hard to overcome those things. But equality is is determined by individual strength and strengths and weaknesses. And luck, okay? You gotta remember that luck, what is luck? You know, if you're gonna sit back and wait for the government to take care of you, good luck. <laughs> of course I say that <laughs> in jest. Yeah, good luck with that, okay? All right? but. Fortune favors the bold or the brave. Well, in Latin, it's, you know, odentes fortuna huvat, all right? It's, it's from the earliest days of the Roman writings. Aeneas is Virgil, okay? And in, and in Aeneas is Virgil, okay, which he writes in the translation, luck helps those who are brave, or fortune favors the daring, or fortune favors the brave and the foolish, or... People who act decisively make their own fate. You pick it. Bona fortuna. That means good luck in Latin. And that's that's where it came from. And, and that's, that's how we build strength in our country, by building strength in our individuals. Fortune favors the bold. Get out there. Yeah, the bold and the foolish. You're right. You know, you know sometimes you, 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 in order to take that quote-unquote leap of faith people are looking at you like you're foolish and maybe you are because you know what most people lose most businesses fail and they fail within the first two to five years it's hard it's not easy a lot of people think it's going to be a lot of people think okay if i borrow enough money or if i have enough money or if i somehow save up enough money or whatever then i'll be successful it's not a matter of that there's so much involved but where does luck come in? Fortune favors the bold. That's true. But you got to be lucky, too. You got to have, you know, it's not just that things have to fall in place. It's that you got to hope that some things don't come down and crush you. You build something someplace, like in Fort Myers, Florida, and boom. Two, three years later, while your business is starting to grow and going good, all of a sudden there's a hurricane. And, and you couldn't buy enough insurance to replace. I mean, this happens. And it happens to everybody. There's nobody who's protected from those things. It's just the luck of the draw. It's just what happened. You gotta be prepared for that. 
And when it happens, yeah, it's, it, I'm not telling you to go and go smiling. You know, and, and oh my God, you should have seen what happened. I had this video, it was great. Things are going so good. And a hurricane came and wiped us out. No, we didn't have any insurance. It's okay. I'm going to get a job and then dry clean this. No, I don't expect that. I and People are upset. They, they, they should be upset. We all should be upset when that happens. And it's happened to all of us. I don't want to. I don't want to go through my own stories, my dad's stories. Oh, my God. So many people have seen this, and they've seen it over and over and over again. How, is it, how do you go to the government and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I need, I need some help here. You know, yeah, I've had my business failed. I this, I tried everything, and I put this. I need, I need some inclusion, diversity, some equity. Some, some, how, do you, how do you apply for that? Oh, wait a minute, is that just for black people? Wait a minute, I don't understand this. Hold it. What did? Yeah, no. It, it's you. You can't play that game. That's racist. That's racism. That's not what America was about. That's not. That's not how this country was founded. That's not what we believe in. That's not what has made us the the strongest nation on earth. No, it's not. It's not what made us. What made us again was the strength of the individual, and. How does that strength come about? We've seen guys like Kevin McCarthy. I talked about him earlier. I didn't think he was a strong leader. Looks like he's doing the job first month into it. Yeah. But he's surrounded by a team. He's, he's being supported by that team that made it so hard for him to get in in the first place. Like the initiation. That's right. There's reasons for these things. That's, those things are important down the road if you want real leadership. Getting the job isn't just throwing your hat in the ring and raising all the money. There was a lot more involved, wasn't there? And it wasn't easy, was it? No. But that's what makes at least good leaders. <laughs> is he going to be a great leader? Well, we're going to find out. He's been pretty damn good so far. I mean, throwing Adam Schiff. Eric Swalwell and Elon Omar out of their respective committees. Look, I don't care what the Democrat, they can yell and scream. They threw, they threw a couple of Republicans, including what, 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 whatever her name is from Georgia. They threw them out of every committee. <laughs> when the, when, when the Republicans got thrown out, they just, they may as well have gotten thrown out of Congress, it seems. <laughs> These people just got thrown off. The one or two committees they were on. I think for Schiff, I think it was the, and Swalwell, I know it was the Intelligence Committee, maybe it was something else, but Ellen Omar, the Foreign, whatever, the Foreign Relations Committee. I mean, how do you have somebody who is such an anti-Semite, so prejudiced against Jews? How do you have somebody like that on the Foreign Relations Committee for the United States of America? So far against, and she, and she said, oh no, she's just career-decising Israel. She's not an anti-Semite. Yeah, but what about all they care about, the Benjamins? Oh no, she didn't know what that meant. Bullshit. Do you believe that? I don't believe that for you, and you don't believe that. No, and Senator Chuck Schumer doesn't believe that. Neither does any other Jewish legislature in the United States of America. Not one of them believe that. And yet they're all fighting to keep her on the Foreign Relations Committee. Why can't they just step up and say, you know what? Israel is our closest ally, our best friend. And we can't have somebody that has exhibited this hatred of Israel.
Okay, if she wants to say she's not an anti-Semite, you could believe it, not believe it, but she has certainly exhibited a hatred for Israel. And I think as, as an anti-Semite as well, I, I don't believe for a minute that there's any Jew in Congress that doesn't believe that, but they think Congress is more important than their own people, than their own religion, than the state of Israel. Clearly, their job in Congress, their place in Congress, because if they go against the squad, maybe they're concerned they're going to get their ass kicked. I don't know what they're concerned about. They're little punks. That's what they are. And that includes, clearly includes Adam Schiff. Yeah. And Chuck Schumer. There's a bunch of them. Yeah. So there was a lot of backlash. But Kevin McCarthy stood his ground, stood his ground, and damn right, he should have, and he did. And, and that's... That's pretty cool. So he did that. I don't get why these Democrats are so whiny and so, like, outraged that somebody like Eric Swalwell, who had an affair with a Chinese spy, there's no question about it. I don't think he's... I I never heard him deny it. Yeah, Fang Fang, that was her name. It's not a joke. We're not playing games here. Eric Swalwell was having an affair... And, and this, this person, this Chinese spy, was part of his team. She was part of his network in Congress. That, that's, that doesn't work. That's irresponsible. I mean, that's almost, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, you know. I don't want to get too far off course here. But, I, I mean, that's just not, that's just not, not right. And nobody... Who does that? And, and of course, Adam Schiff, who, who's just a total frickin' liar. Lying after lying after lying. Now, you, you want to argue the, the Adam Schiff part of it? Sure, we, we could debate that. You might have a point. You can make it. I won't agree with it. But it, I, I'll, I'll, there is no argument about, about Fang Fang, whatever his name is, Eric Swalwell. There is no argument about Ilhan Omar. You, if you argue with me about that, I, I don't even want to. I don't want to know. You're you're a disgusting human being. As a, you're a disgusting American. Okay, it doesn't. You have no ground to stand on. Not a leg. Not nothing. Okay, especially as a Jew, you insult me. As a fellow Jew, you more than insult me. You are destroying. You are helping to destroy the state of Israel. And, and, and I'm not exaggerating that. That's every little bit. You know, it's like, a, it, it, it's like the termites eating away at a wooden house, little by little by little. You're fostering that, eating away of, of what it takes to sustain the state of Israel against all odds, that they're even there, that they even began, that they continued, that they lived through all that they have and thrived. And you should be celebrating it. You should be celebrating the Abraham Accords. You should be celebrating that that Jerusalem is the is the capital, and that we moved our embassy, the United States of American embassy, to Jerusalem. You should be talking about that in Congress every day, celebrating Israel, this strong ally, this great country. And you should be putting down people. You can argue if people have a different point of view. I get it. But don't talk to me about Benjamins. And don't talk to me about how Israel was, what, pulling the wool over the eyes. Whatever they, whatever the other nasty things she said about the state of Israel. 
there are people on the committee that, you know, feel strongly about this, you know, whatever the Palestinian thing. I don't want to get into the whole thing. What's a Palestinian? What is a Palestinian? You know, <laughs> Israel was the home of the Jews five over 5,000 years ago. Hebron and, and Judea and Samaria and certainly Jerusalem. For crying out loud, thousands of years ago. <laughs> when do you come off to say something like, that's not our homeland? No, that's, don't even don't even go there with me. But if you, you want to talk about Adam Schiff, um, no, he, he lied through his teeth. He, do, do, <laughs> okay, but I get it. I mean, you have the right to, you know, have your point of view. So... What is with this whole Democrat reaction, okay, to throwing these three people off one committee? Even Adam Schiff off one committee, okay? What? You know what it is? I want to tell you what it is, Republicans out there. It's called team building. That's what they do. Now, one Democrat spoke out in favor of any of those guys. Now, one said, hey, look. They just thrown off one committee. They have not been thrown off all the committees. You know, it's it just, it's reasonable. Let's not argue. We don't agree they shouldn't have been. Okay, you can say all that. But we did it two years ago to whatever her name is and the guy from Arizona. And we threw them off all the committees. So, no, they just responded totally as one with a big no. Did you hear that? That was their response. The vote. That was it. Oh, total. And the outrage on every TV show. Come on. Are you kidding me? So I, I, I just, I, th- I think it's ridiculous, but it's it shows you how these Democrats stick together. You wonder. Some of them have done despicable things. I mean, there's others in the squad that I think are disgusting. There's others out there, yeah. And I wonder, I go, how did some rational, intelligent people who got elected to the House of Representatives or even the Senate, how do they put up with this and, and support these? And there they are, team building. That's what's important as a team. They're a team. They want to get all their legislature. They're going to support Hakeem Jeffries and his pursuit of communism because that's who they are. That's the team they're part of. That's the team they joined. That's where their team is going. And if they want to be part of it, they're going with them. Boom. Right. I mean, that's that's who they are. They're communists. Then they're not then they're not pursuing capitalism and entrepreneurialism. They're not. Maybe they're pursuing entrepreneurialism if you know, that entrepreneur is is fully invested in the government's best interests, whatever those best interests are. 50% tax, 60% tax, you know, fully invested in all the rules and the regulations and all the rest. Okay, that's, you know, you, you think you own something? No, no, no. You're the caretaker for the government. That's all you are. And at some point, like, you know, if it gets to full of communism, the government will own everything. That's just the way it is. And that's where the Democrats are going. That's who they are. And you know what? They're a team. Every damn one of them together, a team. You saw it. And that's the lesson. Now, let's look at this whole China thing, throwing up this balloon. So we know what China's doing. They're probing us. 
Does anyone doubt that? Or that our response was not predictable? Sure it was. It was predictable that Biden would make believe it wasn't there or didn't matter. And then after the fact, say, well, there were even more balloons when Trump was in office, which is either bullshit or is, is, is just, a, you know, covering up for something that never happened before. It <laughs> just never happened. <laughs> but, you know, what might not have been expected was the outrage of the American citizen. Look, predictability is interesting. And, I, and I'm, I'm sure that Biden's reaction was predictable. I'm sure that the Japanese, the Chinese, I think they fully expected what they got. OK, hey, let's not let's not, you know, blow it out of the sky because the debris will fall down and it, and it could hit civilians. No, 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 no. You saw it when it left China. You certainly saw it when it was over the Aleutian Islands, over Hawaii. Uh, I'm sorry, over <laughs> over Alaska. So you knew it was there. You could have blown it out any time, but you didn't. Why? Because no one else knew it but the government. I mean, who's got NORAD? Who, who's got who, who's got the equipment to see this? The government. Now, when when the Pentagon said on TV, "Oh, we're not blowing it out of the water because it wouldn't be safe," in my opinion, that was a cover-up for Biden. I am sure. That they said to Biden, hey, these Chinese got a balloon it's the size of three buses. It's it's huge. It's picking up data. It's getting our information. We can't let's blow it out of the sky. And Biden said, no, 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 no. We don't want to piss off the Chinese, man. No, no, no. Let's see where it goes. Let's watch it. I'm sure that's what I'm sure about. And then when by the time we saw it on television and we were watching, you know, we were watching the television. There, and then, I'm sure by that time. It was already visible to the naked eye of hundreds, if not thousands, of Americans. When the first we heard of it, the first I heard of it, it was it was spotted by citizens in Montana. And, you know, prior to that, it was just the government. And when it was found out and we went to the Pentagon, Pentagon, people called up and they called up their you know, their representatives or their local whatever, whoever they call, they go, wait a minute, there's this huge balloon flying way, way up there. What is that? And then when they found out it was a Chinese spy balloon, oh yeah, I'm sure they were told, oh, it's a weather balloon. <laughs> Whether or not it was a spy balloon or a weather balloon, it was a Chinese balloon and it didn't belong over America. And so when enough people called, and the Pentagon then covered for the president and said, well, we're not going to knock it out because it's over, you know, land, American land that could hurt people. So we're going to wait. And I'm sure they go, OK, boss, what do you want us to do now? We already said this on TV. We got it. Sooner or later, we got to knock it out. Really? We got to knock it out? I let's. Can we keep it up there? Let me I'm, wait a minute. Let me call. Let me call she. And see what he says. Maybe he'll say it's okay. No, you know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Enough American citizens made enough noise, enough phone calls, enough enough whatever it took to, to rattle the cage of the people in the Pentagon and get them to say to this administration, you can't let it stay up there. It's, the, the country's going nuts and people are upset. 
You got to chain these balloon up there. And then finally, he said, okay, okay, okay. But can you wait till it gets... By the time it gets all through the country, they'll have picked up enough data that they'll know everything we're doing, everything we're planning. Oh, they'll, they'll be able to tell us, wait, don't do it that way. You might make a mistake. Come on. What do you want to do? You want to engage the Chinese in our planning? Because you may as well. You may as well do with the Chinese what you're doing with the cartels. Go with partners with them. That's what you're doing. And I think finally Biden said, okay, okay, we'll compromise. Just wait until it gets right over the edge. Wait over someplace like Myrtle Beach. And then shoot it down. And that's what happened. And you know what? What they couldn't predict, what they never predicted, and they learned, was that the voices of the American people are loud. That we do live in a democracy. That we do have a republic where individuals count. And, and yeah, it was flying over red states and the red states were pissed. And the red state said, hey, get that balloon out of the sky. Get it out of my country. Get it out of our air. Shoot that son of a bitch down. And we did. And that, boys and girls. <laughs> yeah. Well, the next chapter, let's see what the Chinese do. I think, if you want my opinion, I think this is going to set them back a little bit. Notwithstanding what I see on television and all the pundits and everything else, I think the Chinese are going to realize... Yeah, we might have a weak administration, but we still have a strong country. We still have people with a backbone. We still have a people that can get their representatives to do their bidding because this is a country for of and by the people in the United States of America. And nobody asks if there were a lot of black people calling or Jews or Christians or, or Muslims or whatever. Nobody asks. They got the phone calls. They added them up. They said, we, this is overwhelming. Oh, it's a fall. The people are pissed. We got to shoot that sucker down. And that's what we did. And you, the individual American, needs to be proud of yourself and needs to learn the lesson. We can get this government to do what we need it to do. Do not give up. Yes, they're going to try to fix it, just like Biden tried to get the Pentagon <laughs> to, to let the balloon get back to China. I'm sure he did. At the end of the day, if we stand up and stand strong and stand together, we will get the president that we need and the leadership that we need for this country. I'm New York Mike, and right now I'm leading myself right out of here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being there. Definitely thanks for subscribing. I'm out. Thanks for listening to Rolling with New York Mike. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to keep this podcast rolling.